Welcome to the fifth episode of the Facilitator Missionary Podcast. This podcast has been created to host discussions of relevance to Global Partners Amazon Phases 4 and 5 fields. My name is Bob Bagley, Associate Executive Director of Global Partners, and I will be your host for the time we'll be spending together. Today, we'll be talking about facilitating missionary sending in a conversation with Carl and Maya Gilles using their experience in Haiti as a case study. As the E2E movement gained momentum, we as GPMs will increasingly be called upon to help facilitating the sending of M's from countries where we are serving, countries that haven't sent M's before. Frankly, we don't have a whole lot of experience of doing this, and so we're learning as we go. John Dewey said, we don't learn from experience, we learn from reflecting on experience. So we want to reflect on the experience of those in our tribe who have been on the forefront of facilitation of E to E missionary sending. Carl and Maya Gilles are GP's Francophone ministry facilitators, but before that they served for 10 years in Haiti. During their time in Haiti, the church sent a missions team to Burkina Faso for three months, and subsequently have sent a career missionary couple back to Burkina Faso, who are now serving there. Welcome, Carl and Maya, to the Facilitator M podcast. Greetings, and thank you, Dr. Bob, for having us in this podcast. It's a joy to be with you today. Since not everybody knows you in the in the GP family uh, or have just seen your picture. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, uh, about yourselves personally? Well, um, I, Carl, I am originally from Haiti. And shortly I, after I became a Christian uh, at the age of 22, uh, I felt called to ministry. So in January 2000, God opened the door for me to attend Bethany Bible College, now called Kingswood University. And after a degree in pastoral there, I was invited to work at Moncton Western Church. And I worked there as French and missions pastor for about four years. Well, I'm originally from Quebec, the French part of Canada the better part. <clears throat> I went to university in New Brunswick and studied to become a high school teacher. That's during this time that I met the Lord and I felt called to mission. It was a radical change in my life. I was passionate about sharing Christ with everyone. It's while I was working at the government that I met Carl and we got married shortly after that. We then decided as a couple to serve God as missionaries in Haiti. We spent 10 years there. We have four daughters, age eight to 16, and we are currently living in Quebec City. Great, thank you. Although since I come from New Brunswick, I'm not sure I agree about which is the <laughs> New, New Brunswick is pretty close. It's though. pretty close. <laughs> And, and so what is, what is your current role? Explain that to us a little bit with GP. Well, we currently are working as um, facilitators for French ministry. 
And so we're not only working with Haiti at this point, we are working with different French countries, mostly at this point in, in um, Africa, um, but also open to other continents as well. Yeah. And uh, just intriguingly or, or coincidentally with this, this uh, podcast, your title is facilitator. You're the only one in GP, I think, with that name in your official job title. <laughs> we are headed that way. We see the way that the, the currents are flowing. When, when you went to Haiti, what was your assignment? What did you expect that you would be doing? Well, our assignment to Haiti was to do leadership training for our leaders in the Western Church and to work close to the missions director at that time to help in any ways needed, really. So uh, what we did, we used the one million mandate with John Maxwell, and we spent the first eight years really pouring uh, leadership as well as other trainings um, into the Western leaders and anyone else who cared for it, really. So that was our assignment. And the assignment, that assignment came as a result of having grown up in Haiti for myself and um, seeing my father struggle to give leadership to a very divisive national church. Uh, during his tenure as national superintendent for eight years, I traveled with him and, and, and saw many, many events that really got my attention. Uh, also watching ups and downs of politics in Haiti, all these things convinced me um, of that part of Haiti's struggle was a lack of good leadership and lack of followership, you know, mm -hmm. uh, what it means to be a good follower. So we have so many stories of uh, the impacts of these uh, years of leadership trainings in Haiti. Um, I remember one day in one of the district's leadership training, I was in a small chapel room with about, about 20 leaders. And um, I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to address them directly saying, you know, guys, um, you know, you are God's hands and feet in the church today. You are responsible to confront sins in the church. And one day you will be accountable and standing before Christ to give account for how you did that. And uh, as I continued to speak, I could see the wheel spinning. Um, and they were looking at each other with a convicting look. And I knew exactly what they were thinking because uh, for 17 years, they had allowed their uh, district superintendent who I will call Pastor Judas for our purpose. <laughs> uh, they allowed him to abuse his authority by stealing church properties manipulating everyone to stay in his position of power. And he was accused of several accounts of sexual misconducts with young girls at the school attached to his church. And for these 17 years, although they knew this guy was a reckless man, they never confronted him for fear, maybe fear of voodoo curses or fear of losing their own job or position in the church. So um, after that year, uh, a year later after that seminar, 
I remember sitting in a small room similar to that chapel room with many of the same leaders, except this time it was a courtroom. And they were there not to learn leadership, but to apply what they had learned. Mm. And right in front of the judge, they confronted Pastor Judas. And became, because of evidence they presented, Pastor Judas was arrested and lost his ministerial license. I was so proud, really. I was so proud of them. I was so proud watching them stand, standing up for what was right. And that stays as one of several stories resulting from these years of leadership training. I'm not sure I would have volunteered for that if I knew that was coming. <laughs> You're right. I didn't see that coming either. Yeah. yeah. And, and you didn't see, or at least I don't think you saw, uh, the involvement in missions coming. Did that <laughs> not at all. No, this was not at all in our radar. Yeah. And how, how, how did you feel when the church and GP turned to you to try to help make that happen? Well, this came as a really big surprise. Uh, we felt very ex excited because we really love challenges, but we did not realize the amount of work it will take to make this happen. So our excitement quickly changes in how do we do this now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We also realized later on that this was not just preparing the missionaries to go, but the biggest work was really to prepare the church locally and nationally to see their part in the Great Commission. And we cannot say we've been very successful with that as this is a very long process. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I think that's a, a very insightful observation. Uh, mm. If this was a book instead of an audio recording, I would highlight those words. The thing was not in sending, getting somebody ready to go, but in getting the church ready to send. Yes. Mm -hmm. Great insight. Why don't you just tell us the story? How, how the Haitian church got involved and how this vision uh, of becoming involved in, in uh, cross-cultural mission came about. Sure. With Haiti being a Wesleyan missions field for over 65 years at the time, we knew they needed a challenge to move to the next phase. The challenge came through an invitation from Ghana to partner in helping a new mission work in their neighborhood country, Burkina Faso. The people in Ghana are English speakers, so could not communicate with Burkina Bay people because they are French speakers. So the Burkina Faso pastor felt a big need for training leaders. He had one church and three preaching points uh, that was quickly developing into churches. And I believe you, Dr. Bob, offered a partnership with Haiti to Ghana to fill that gap. And all of the parties uh, responded favorably to that invitation. Burkina Faso needed three people with a specific skill set in teaching, uh, evangelism, and administration. And they were to teach uh, different subjects like uh, the Old Testament, the New Testament, evangelism, the discipline, uh, the Wesleyan doctrine. And we only had six months to prepare. So we got to work. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, yeah. Quickly, yeah. 
Uh, the beauty in this, it was truly a group effort as several countries came together. Uh, when Papua New Guinea heard of this, they decided to give a donation and the amount covered was, um, was half of the missionaries' airline tickets. Mm. And Dr. Jackson shared that story at the district conference um, and the other half was raised in a very short amount of time. Uh, Ghana and Burkina Faso committed to help with the lodging and meals, and the Haitian missionaries were responsible for their personal expenses and in-country travel. So this is really a beautiful story of interdependence. Mm. In Haiti, the three missionaries visited uh, several churches uh, to cast the vision and they raised $900 each and recruited a team of 200 prayer partners. And September 16, 2014, they were on board for Burkina Faso. Uh, during the three months period, they taught and started a church. We would say that it was a successful first experience. Definitely. I, I really love that. And um, what they were able to do in those three months um, was phenomenal, phenomenal. And um, I think everybody at the end was so excited about what had happened. Mm. Mm. Continue the story. Well, um, we had different um, things that we had to do as we were helping in preparation for these missionaries. And um, part of, of this was to uh, help the national church to um, know how to put together a missions team um, and choose the, the people that should be going and train them. And these were a lot of work that were brand new to the National Church. And um, so we were very involved in this and um, really had to do uh, the foundation, put the foundation for missions um, with this opportunity of these three missionaries. And so that was really a good experience for both us as missionaries trying to train other missionaries and for the Haiti, Haitian church um, learning to um, send missionaries to other fields. Exciting. Interesting, I, I've heard the story of that first team going told from a lot of different perspectives. Uh, Dan Irvin, who was the, the area director over Haiti at that time, I've heard him tell the story. I've heard John Connor tell the story. He was the area director over Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Dr. Jackson tell the story. Uh, and uh, now I've heard you tell the story. But I've told the story myself uh, a number of times because I was involved from, from the Ghana side of things. And of course, my story is the right story. <laughs> 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 it's interesting how the perspectives vary. But, but the exciting thing about that story to me was the involvement of all over the world. Mm -hmm. A recent uh, Facilitator M blog post by Perry Hubbard, he addresses the issues, issue of how we're going to try to finance E to E. Mm -hmm. It was an example 
where EDE was EDE in terms of, of financing as well and involved the entire, not the entire globe, but parts all over the globe coming together to, to see this happen. Um, I don't see that we have found a model that's come together like that except on that one occasion and uh, anxious to see us uh, come up with that. Yeah. How was it different? You know, they came back and they reported to the church and then uh, Wendell uh, and his wife then began to gear up to go as career long-term missionaries. How was that different than sending the initial team? Um, there were different um, areas where things were different. Uh, for Wendell and his wife in comparison to the first team. Uh, first, um, that team was, a sh it was a short-term and very specific three months um, period that they were gonna spend there. Uh, secondly, part of this was already planned for them. Um, the, the pastor of Burkina Faso had made his request, um, and was preparing the people for that. Ghana, um, they uh, were part, very much part of not only um, making the invitation, but even coming and, and training um, those two missionaries when for Wendell, um, Ghana was not as involved um, in, in in him getting ready to, to go to Burkina Faso. Um, I think the amount of preparation was very different. Mm -hmm. Like Carl mentioned, it's different if you send a missionary for three months and if it is for career, it needs a lot more preparation. Uh, preparation in um, financially, mm -hmm. three months is not a lot, but a, a career missionary uh, we need faith promise that will keep them there for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. And if we want to prepare um, financially, the local church needs to be on board with it. They need to understand their responsibility in global mission. And I think for us in Haiti, this was a, a clear obstacle. Um, when Wendell started to go and visit churches to fundraise and to share his vision for Burkina Faso, there was a stumbling block because the people in the local church did not understand global mission. They understand mission as I'm sending a missionary um, in a different region to share the gospel. They understand that very well. But why do we need to share or to send in Africa? So this and, was a big stumbling block. And the finance that it takes. Um, this would be a long-term commitment. It's not a one-time. This is like mm -hmm. years of commitment, um, giving money regularly um, to Wendell um, and Yoli. I think also there was an administrative uh, unpreparedness in that sense that uh, um, it takes a lot more administration for um, a career missionary uh, as compared to a three months um, short-term mission trip. Mm. So it, it was very different. Yeah, my, my experience with, within Africa, countries that have sent, 
it's been very much the same pattern where you have usually a young man, might be a young woman, but usually a young man who has this vision of taking the gospel to some other place, to another country or to another people group. And uh, he's pursuing that passion, but the church is lagging way behind him. Mm-hmm. What did you learn? What did Wendell and Yoli learn in uh, trying to help the, the Haitian church to realize that the Great Commission is theirs? Uh, I think they're still learning. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I think is um, a great thing that Wendell started, he started to do mission uh, podcasts and blog for Haitian churches to be part of that great commission. So he does that maybe um, once or twice a month, and he shares about their responsibility as a church, as an individual, to be involved in the Great Commission. But I think that they've learned that this is not something they will get done tomorrow. This is a long process. Mm-hmm. Is he still doing that now that yes. he's on the field? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I was going to say, I'd like to listen, but I can't understand Creoles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also didn't realize the amount of support um, it takes when you're on the field. Um, mm-hmm. That emotional support, um, more than just prayer support and financial support, but the emotional support, having uh, knowing that you have a, a church or a group of people that are with you in what you are doing, that check on you, mm. that care for what you, you share with them, will be praying. I think that uh, they realize how important that is and uh, actively are seeking to have that. Yeah. Uh, so how is the church doing with that? Are they providing that range, not just financial, but prayer, but and emotional support? Um, well, the Haitian Church has sent their first missionary couple, and this is a great learning opportunity for them. But like all beginnings, they're taking baby steps. They're trying to find the, their place in how to support them um, in the midst of their own daily trials. So they continually need teaching and coaching, uh, how to interpret the financial report, how to support the missionary, the missionary emotionally and spiritually, how to celebrate their success and encourage them in their trials, how to engage their local church in giving. They are growing, but it will take time. So does, does the Haitian church really have ownership of this? So, so let me put it another way. Would they say that they are sending the Etienne's as their missionaries? Or would they say GP is sending the Etienne's on our behalf? Um, I, they would say that they are sending um, missionaries. Um, I think they recognize the support that... Uh, um, they receive from GP as uh, Wendell goes uh, to Burkina Faso. Um, mm-hmm. The support that um, we are giving to Wendell, 
But uh, I think if you were to ask them, they, at least the national church um, would definitely talk about them sending a missionary to Burkina Faso. Um, but uh, on the other side, the reality of constant political unrest in Haiti has weakened all other areas, including the church, in how they can be involved financially, for example, um, with uh, missionaries like Wendell and Yoli. Uh, as you know, the people in Haiti are constantly in survival mode. Mm -hmm. uh, therefore, their focus is on the immediate and they have a hard time to look at the long-term um, goal of um, going to all nations and share the gospel. Uh, they want to do it. They are willing to send their people to this, but um, it's a lot to ask them to have, to put all the structures necessary as well as all the finance, the finance that that are necessary to send a missionary couple anywhere. I think uh, it, it, it's, it's one, those are areas that um, would be more difficult for them as they deal with their own struggles. Yeah, Under, understanding the Haitian preoccupation with survival and the now, what would church leadership say if we asked them, what's the mission vision 10 years from now? I think they will want to send as many missionaries as they can all over the world. I think this is their heart. Um, at least many leaders in the, in the national board. So I think, yeah, they would really love to send missionaries all over the world. But with uh, Haiti constantly battling with uh, the political instability, uh, spiritual warfare, uh, poverty, and that's without mentioning internal struggles of years among, uh, among top leaders within the national church itself. Uh, there were a lot of churns um, in, within the national church. So all these things have resulted in, you know, a lack of organizational structure within the church, uh, a lot of self-focus. They are so engulfed in their own problems that uh, they have a hard time looking into long-term, mm -hmm. making long-term goals. And um, so uh, there's a lot of lack of commitment and lack of maturity sometimes but all this is really based on the realities that they face daily um, in Haiti. It sounds to me like there's a, a, a gap between what they would say is their vision, what their heart would be to do, and what they see as the possibility of what they can do. Yes. Yes, I think there's a gap there, but also I think that there is a, uh, a hope that they would not have to do it by themselves. I think that if, if they, give, they are allotted the proper responsibility in missions, I think they would endorse it and, and do it. But uh, if they are given too much what they really cannot do, then 
they don't have any encouragement to actually start any missions work. Yeah. So Wendell and Willie have been over there now for how long? For a year. For a year. Almost. Yeah. And projecting how long a term before they return home? Hopefully four years, depending on how it's going financially. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how when they come back and are able to report to the church how it, it has its impact. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's really then that people in Haiti will realize the importance of global mission. I think it's really their work coming back and sharing in local churches and sharing their experience that um, the Haitian church will really understand um, their part in global mission and, their, and to celebrate their um, excitement as well of bringing the gospel so far away. Mm -hmm. I think you've done your job well if the church is saying they're sending them, not that GP is sending them. I, I think that's, that's success as far as you are concerned. Um, but what, what were the biggest difficulties for you serving sort of in a facilitative role in trying to help the Haitian church send somebody? for you and your role in, in making, helping to make that happen? What were the biggest difficulties for you personally? Um, well, part of the, the, the difficulties was the finance. I think the biggest ones were finance and um, having a structure that will not only send missionaries, but um, staying, um, in connection with them throughout. These, these are the biggest two difficulties that we've had. Um, financially, we know that uh, the reality of Haiti is, is difficult for them to support missionaries. Part of it is that uh, the first missionaries that went to Haiti to start the, the Western church uh, they went to the most poverty-stricken areas of the country and worked among the mass. And that was a great uh, vision because they really wanted to help those that needed it the most. Yeah. However, uh, what, what that created was a church that is also very poor. They are not poor in number, but they are poor in cash. And so um, when we get to the point where we are now talking about sending missionaries somewhere else, um, the desire is there, the manpower is there, but the cash is not there. And um, so far their understanding is, uh, and I think this is also part of what they have inherited um, from um, us missionaries is that when you send missionaries, you really need to also support them financially. And um, they, they want that, but the, their reality makes it very difficult to, to uh, stay committed to that part of supporting financially. So I think these are the biggest um, difficulties 
that we've had. Another difficulty that I find is that we have a lot of educated um, people that are willing to go, um, but the local church is not ready yet because they don't understand yet their part in global mission. But the younger generation, um, the people that went to school, they went to university, they feel a call to mm -hmm. global mission because they've learned that this is their responsibility. But when they go and talk about their call to local churches, they're not behind them because they don't understand that yet. So I think the big work has to do with we need our pastors engage in teaching and educating their people in their responsibility of the Great Commission. Yeah, much, much work still to be done. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Let me touch base very quickly on, on the training you provided to the team and then, then to, to uh, Wendell and Yoli. Uh, how did that shape up? <laughs> we really, uh, we really took from our own experience as um, when we were getting ready for to to go to missions, and um, we had the help of um, other missionaries that were on the field with us and our area director Denor Vine. Um, and Joe Okren that Joe, came. Yeah, they, uh, Joe Okren came from Ghana to Haiti to help in uh, uh, teaching about culture, mm -hmm. the culture in Burkina Faso, the culture, the African culture, which is different than the Haitian culture. And those were very good um, support to the mm -hmm. training that we provided um, to Wendell and the other two guys um, when they were getting ready. When it was Wendell's turn um, with Yoli, I think that um, part of what they had already received or what he had already received, um, he just continued. We continued to provide as well as books and, mm -hmm. um, and make sure that at this time they needed to do more um, support raising for a longer term, what that meant and how to go about it. I think that uh, that's how um, it was different than the first. Mm. Yeah, and he also received the training from uh, Perry Hubert that came to Haiti with a team, um, with a team and uh, it was a training on uh, cross-cultural, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was very, very helpful. Yeah. So, so Perry came and, and did training specifically for, for people who were going? For specifically for people who had a call to mission. Okay. So those are potential missionaries for the future. And Wendell was part of it. Yeah. I know he has done in some other places. Uh, he did in, in, uh, in Mozambique, in Africa, um, some training for the broader church to help raise the level of vision and understanding of the church's responsibility and mission. Yeah. So how are Wendell and Yoli doing now? They're one year in. <laughs> um, 
like you, probably found that the job was not what they expected it to be. <laughs> well, I was just talking with him yesterday, and uh, he shared his excitement to be there in Burkina Faso. He still feels the call of God, um, and he said he will not be satisfied until um, he sees some souls coming um, to God and um, the church really taking responsibility, both in Haiti and in Burkina Faso. I think his heart is really for both of these countries right now. Mm. Yeah. So they're doing, they're doing well. Um, I, I think that uh, his wife, is Yoli, is getting involved with uh, children ministry as, as well. And um, with them having a, a, a baby, I think that's uh, a new excitement as well. So um, they are doing well. They mm -hmm. are doing well. What, what would be the biggest difficulties that they are trying to overcome? I think that um, on one side, in their work um, in Burkina Faso, I think the biggest difficulties that they are facing right now is um, to um, to work with the leaders and that the leaders would be willing to um, to gather together and and learn about the Western Church about how we we work as a Western Church because um, the leaders came from other um, denominations those that we have currently and and I think the biggest difficulty that he's facing with them is for them to, yeah, to, to um, become Wesleyan really in, in their in the, in doctrines and um, committing to the Wesleyan church. Yeah. Even though the, the, the African culture and the Haitian culture are not the same, there's a lot of similarities. And, uh, mm -hmm. I, I think here we see a great example of the strength of EDE. Uh, when, when that first team came back, I remember one of them reporting, uh, although they were on the other side of the world from Haiti, in some ways it felt like home. The food was similar like what they would have eaten in Haiti. Uh, yeah. French was a little different. Local language, of course, they, they did not understand, but a lot of the customs and the culture and the way people interacted. And while they were there, uh, in Burkina Faso, they had a coup, and somebody overthrew the government, and they said that made them feel at home too. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've only time for one, one more question. If you had to do it all over again, okay, if you're going to start from the from the beginning again of helping a church develop a vision for mission and send missionaries, what would you do differently? That's a very good question, and um, it's not um, a one, uh, just a one answer, I would say. Uh, I, I, I would really not send a missionary from Haiti without first seeking to have a structure where several countries are partnering together uh, and agree to do their part in sending that missionary as an example of what they did um, the first time the missionaries went. Um, in that approach, some countries may have the manpower, but not have to develop a structure uh, 
to send missionaries by themselves. Um, that does not mean that they cannot be involved in missions. It's just that they would have a, a more simple part to play in missions. Uh, and in my opinion, for Haiti, as well as um, I'm, the, the African countries that I'm currently working with, uh, when we look at missions as E2E, um, I really think that it will need to be a partnership um, where some will provide the people, the manpower, others will provide the structure, and others will provide the finance, um, just as the example we had given with the three guys when they went to Burkina Faso. And this goes along with um, uh, what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, uh, where he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. He says the one planting and the one watering are one in purpose, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. But for we are God's co-workers. And there I'm really getting the idea that uh, as co-workers in God's field, this is not a one person's job. We are all together working in God's field, mm -hmm. trying to get uh, the job done. So I believe that there are missions fields today waiting for the Pauls and Apollos to join hands together to plant and water mm -hmm. God's fields. And I believe that um, as long as we are trying to do missions or having countries to do missions by themselves, uh, we, will be, we will have very limited results. Yeah. And some will just not be able to get into the game of missions and the, the great commissions as we, as we have been doing it. I, I think that the new uh, way of doing missions, which is what Paul did is um, to train players, but to get them in their right position and understand that this is a team effort and um, not all of them will be able to do everything. And so um, each one needs to be trained to do what they do best uh, while we all put together to get the job, the job done. That's how I see E2E. And that's how I see Haiti getting well in missions in the future. Yeah, you're, you're, you're singing my song. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I, I, I too am convinced that uh, the, the real potential of E2E e is when we find the, the structures and, and the ways for the entire international church to pull together mm -hmm. the task. And uh, I think we need to say goodbye to the days where it is individual sending countries or whatever, but we're moving together as a, as a global church. Mm -hmm. Amen. And when we get it done, Jesus will come back. <laughs> and that'll be great. <laughs> uh, thanks, Carl and Maya, for, be willing, for being willing to be vulnerable and giving us a chance to learn from your experiences, both that which went well and that which 
perhaps could have gone better. But thanks so much for being willing to share with us. Uh, it's been very helpful to us in, in, in thinking through some of these issues that are so critical for us at this point in, in our task of reaching the world for Christ. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you for having us. So for those of you listening, if you want to comment on this podcast, why don't you hop on over to the Facebook group for the Facilitator M and uh, chime in there. We'll be looking for your comments. So until next time, take care and God bless.